1: Hello, and welcome to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. This is Adriana Linares. I'm your host. I'm a legal technology trainer and consultant. I love helping lawyers and law firms use technology better. We have a great guest on today, Mr. Ben Shore, who works for Microsoft. But before we get started, I want to make sure and thank our sponsors. First, I want to say thank you to Perfect It. Perfect It is a legal-specific proofreading software that locates mistakes that neither spellcheck nor the most eagle-eyed lawyer can find. Try Perfect It Free from IntelligentEditing.com. I also want to make sure and thank Answer One. They're a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800 Answer One or online at www.answerone.com. That's www.answerthenumberone.com. Of course, I want to make sure and thank Clio. They're the world's leading cloud based legal practice management software. Thousands of lawyers and legal professionals trust Clio to help grow and simplify their practices. Learn more about them at Clio.com, and that's C L I O.com. Unbundled Attorney is a premium lead generation service that delivers exclusive leads directly into your inbox in real time. Looking to get more leads and grow your practice? Visit unbundledattorney.com today and make sure I say thanks to them. I certainly appreciate all of the support from those four great sponsors. Please make sure you check out their websites and learn more. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, we can introduce Ben Shore. Hey, Ben. Hey, Adriana. Do you think your wife will be offended that I call you Benny Boo Boo?
2: (laughs) I don't know if she's ever heard you call me that before.
1: Well, I don't imagine she's going to be listening to our podcast, so maybe over dinner casually you can tell her that that's my nickname for you, and it means nothing other than we're good pals.
2: I'll see if I can work it in.
1: And we are good pals, because we've known each other for a really long time. Um, do you remember where we first met, or when we first became pals?
2: Uh, not specifically, it was through Me Tech either. Show.
1: Yeah, it was definitely through Tech Show. At the time, you were a technology consultant with your company, and you've had a lot of life changes and relocation, and you got a cool new job. Do you want to tell everybody about where you came from and how you got where you are today?
2: Sure, sure. Well, I've been in legal tech since I think you were in kindergarten. I... uh Started out in Los Angeles in the late 19- <coughs> um <laughs> as, a, as an IT guy with a law firm there. Moved over to Hawaii uh, in uh, the mid-1990-somethings to uh, take on an IT position with a law firm in Honolulu. I've spent uh, probably a little over 25 years in IT professionally, uh, half of it in-house at law firms and the other half as an in- independent consultant, mostly with my firm, my former firm, Roland Shore and Tower, which is still going strong, just without me these days. And uh, about a year ago, uh, almost exactly a year ago, uh, the nice folks here at Microsoft, who I had worked with for many years, said, uh, you know, we've been working with you for a really long time, why don't you come work for us? And I said, yeah, okay, sure. So here I am now from uh, coming to you from Building 35 on the Redmond campus in uh, beautiful Redmond, Washington, and uh, I'm a senior content developer here, which means that it's my job to help people be more productive with Microsoft Office.
1: And that's why we have you here today. (laughs) On top of the fact that you just have a lot of really great experience with lawyers and legal, I wanted to spend some time really going through some tips and ideas and suggestions when it comes to Microsoft Office I've had a lot of guests lately that are practitioners and especially talking about the business and the practical side. So I wanted to go back to where my roots really are, which is in, in technology and, and training and helping lawyers. So thought I'd ask you to come on and we can talk about Microsoft. Let's talk about Microsoft subscriptions and maybe if there's anything um, new and exciting that that lawyers might not know about or might not have realized that is part of Microsoft. We can sort of dig into all those things. So the first thing I want to make sure and ask you to help us with is let's start with talking about Office 365, this is the subscription-based service. There's still a lot of confusion about what that means and the different pricing structures and you know, sometimes I'll say to someone, well, Office 365 is like the greatest thing that ever happened to us in a business environment, and especially to law firms of just about any size, and then I have to launch into an explanation, and I bet you can do it a lot more succinctly than I can.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll try. So, um yeah, there is a lot of confusion around Office 365, uh, especially with, with the licensing. Uh, one of the most common misconceptions I hear is that people think Office 365 is just web-based apps. It's like uh, Google's G Suite, for example. It's People think it's just web apps. And there, there are web apps for Word and Excel and PowerPoint, Outlook, and so forth. But actually, Office 365 gives you more than that. It actually does still give you the same locally installed Microsoft Office apps that you've always had. Office 2016 is our current version. Uh, and that's for both PC and Mac. Uh, So that's one thing that people don't always uh, get is that you're not just getting the web version or don't always understand. You're not just getting the web version. You are getting the same locally installed apps you've always had. You do not have to be connected to the internet in order to use them. So you can still use them on a plane or or somewhere where you don't have good connectivity. Uh, So that's that's one of the most common things.
1: Right, so it's the full-blown version of Outlook, Word, Excel, PowerPoint...
2: Publisher, access, depends a little bit on the subscription you get as to which apps are included. But yeah, publisher, access, Sway, trying to think what else is in there these days. But Um, the
1: four main things that we care about in legal are going to be with every subscription for the most part. So you're going to get Outlook, Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Yes. And I am a person that has two desktops, two laptops, and an iPad. So one of my laptops is a Mac. My other 3 machines are PCs and then I have an iPad. With my subscription that I pay, I think I'm in the $8 a month.
2: Yep, sounds subscription. like you're getting the Pro Plus plan.
1: Okay, so that one's called Pro Plus. How sounds many like places can I install the full-blown versions of those four core products that I use?
2: So with the Pro Plus plan for each user, You can install on up to five computers, and so uh, you may be paying, let's say, uh, I don't know if it's, I don't remember if it's eight twenty-five a month, something like that, or eight fifty a month. Um, Eight dollars. Not eight hundred fifty.
1: Yeah, eight dollars, right? Yeah, there was a decimal point in there. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
2: Um, And so, uh, for each user, you can install on up to five devices. And those can be PCs and Macs, PCs or Macs. So, you know, you, you may have a PC on your desk, a Mac uh, at home, a laptop mm-hmm. in your bag. You can right. install the same license on all three of those devices, plus two more for that $8 a month or $12 a month or 15 or five, depends on which plan you've got. But, right. uh, but yes, so up to five devices per user. And so, if you're, you know, seeing here in my office, and obviously my software is provided by Microsoft, but still in my office, I have, you know, uh, one, two, three PCs to my left here. I've got two Macs to my right. I've got a couple other devices in here and, you know, I could install on all of those devices with the same license. Uh, the yeah. other thing that's really nice about it with all those multiple installs is you don't have to keep track of product keys anymore because your license is associated to a Microsoft a free Microsoft account and if you have a hotmail email address or an outlook.com email address which a lot of people do or live.com email address that's a Microsoft account and so and if you don't have one you can sign up for one really easily it's just like signing up for any free email address uh, you don't have to use it for anything other than managing your licenses if you don't want to
1: right so every time i get a new pc you know and i want to let's say i'm going to decommission my pc laptop I go, I log into my account, my Microsoft account using that Microsoft account email that like you just said, I don't have to use for anything other than logging into Microsoft. And in there I can go in and it'll show me a list of the four or five machines that I've used my license on. And I can say, okay, revoke access on that PC because I'm about to give it to my mom. And then I go to my new PC that I just bought and I simply log in to my account and it will download the software and install it and make that license available on that new machine. It's very easy.
2: Exactly right.
1: Okay. All right, so that's good. So let's hope that helps a little bit with understanding the subscription-based. And I think that the different pricing structures is... um, If you need Microsoft Exchange, so if you're a lawyer with a secretary, a partner, a paralegal, or if you're more than one, literally a true solo, and you need to be able to share your calendars and your contacts and be able to share Outlook information easier than you can do it without it, then you need, I think, the $12 a month and up version. I think it's, is that about right?
2: Yeah, I think it's $12.50 a month if I recall correctly. Yeah. It's called Business Premium. Business Premium is good for up to last time I checked it was up to 300 users, so right. more more than enough for most of our audience. Um yeah. and that includes that gives you Exchange Server, that gives you SharePoint if you want to do, you know, cloud storage of documents and collaboration, gives mm-hmm. you the full Office 2016 suite, and it's $12.50 per mailbox, which is to say if you if you know, let's say you're in a you've got you and a paralegal and a secretary, legal assistant, let's say. So that would be three mailboxes. So you'd be looking at, you know, $38, something like that, dollars a month for the whole thing. And that does include the full Office 2016 for up to five devices per user.
1: Right. Per user. That's the key there. Per user. So
2: you got 15 devices in that firm, basically. Uh, Plus, you also get a terabyte of OneDrive for business storage per user. So you get three terabytes of cloud storage included in that.
1: And I was just going to say, tell us a little bit about what you get as far as OneDrive goes. Because everyone's used to, let's say everyone's used to Google G Drive. What is it called? Google?
2: I think they're calling it G Drive these days.
1: G Drive and Dropbox. And then along with your subscription, if you're paying the 8 or the $12 plus dollars a month, you get Microsoft's version of that file storage, syncing, and sharing service, which is called Microsoft OneDrive. And of course, saving documents in and out of it is easy because it's integrated right into all of the Microsoft applications.
2: That's right. Yeah. And uh, important to know that uh, in this case, we're talking about OneDrive for business as opposed to our consumer grade OneDrive product. Uh, The OneDrive product is perfectly good, too. But OneDrive for business sort of ratchets things up just a little bit, uh, especially when it comes to security and capabilities. Uh, OneDrive for business is HIPAA certified, uh, has a number of other uh, security and compliance certifications as well. Uh, and it lets you do a lot of interesting things like share uh, files or folders with other people if you want to. By default, none of it's shared. It's just for for you. Um, but you can very easily, with just a couple of mouse clicks, say, I want to share this folder with my paralegal or I want to share this folder with an expert witness I'm working with or with a client or whoever. Uh, so you have the ability to do that. Uh, and they don't have to have Office 365 licenses in order to access the folders you share with them.
1: So, so if you want to uh, share with a client... Mm-hmm. It would be exactly. very easy. And then tell us exactly. a little bit about security. And, you know, you know, everyone always wonders, well, it's cloud-based, it's Microsoft, are my documents encrypted, is it secure? Everyone's freaking out about the cloud. So tell us a little bit about that.
2: Sure. So with, with OneDrive for Business, the files are encrypted both in transit and at rest. Uh, they're encrypted in, in our data center. Uh, and they're also encrypted in transit. And if you synchronize to your local machine, then they are as on your local machine. They are as encrypted as your local machine is. Which is to say, if you're running Windows 10, you probably have BitLocker enabled, which is our local encryption. Uh, if you don't, you can easily enable it uh, in Windows settings. Uh, mm-hmm. It's free; doesn't doesn't cost anything. Uh, and that'll encrypt your local hard drive. And so, uh, assuming your local machine is encrypted as well, um, of course, you don't have to sync these files to your local machine. I hear that a lot. You know, users say, "Well, a terabyte of OneDrive is great, but I only have a you know." 250 gigabyte mm-hmm. hard drive in this laptop and I don't want to fill it up so you don't have to synchronize your files or you don't have to synchronize all of them you can pick specific folders if you want to synchronize them to your local machine uh, or you could choose to synchronize your entire uh, OneDrive for business if you have the space uh, yeah so the security of it it is like I say encrypted uh, in transit and at rest and the other thing that's pretty nice about it is you can turn on and I strongly recommend you do uh, multi-factor authentication which is to say that uh, if you log into it Um, It can require you to uh, use either an authenticator app, which generates a a constantly changing code, or it can send you an SMS text message with a specifically generated one-time code. Uh, And you can also set it up so that uh, on machines you use all the time, like, for example, my desktop at the office, I have it set up so that it doesn't ask me for codes all the time because... Um, it's got pretty high corporate security, so I don't have to do the the second factor on the desktop at the office, but on my laptop, because that one travels with me. And you know, who knows? Maybe somebody tries to steal it at the mm-hmm. airport or yeah. something. If I try to log in from my laptop, it will ask me for the second uh, factor. So, so you do have uh, that extra security. You can you can turn on, which I strongly recommend.
1: I do too, and I know that two factor authentication can be like a real pain for us, but I do it with every possible service tool or solution Absolutely. that I have that has it, and I'm always happy that I do. I want to back up on just one quick thing to explain to our users because I mention BitLocker all the time too. And this is a good security tip for you, whether you are a PC or a Mac user. And we'll real quick talk about the difference between the two. So, when you log on to your laptop and you're using just your password to log on, you're not necessarily encrypting. The contents of the hard drive at that point. So when Ben said you can use BitLocker, which is our built-in encryption service, what Microsoft did a few years ago is they started including in the operating system a service called BitLocker. So if you go and search on your PC, the word BitLocker, not Bitcoin, but it's called BitLocker, it'll take you into settings, you should see it in there, and it allows you to basically flip a switch that encrypts the hard drive. If you're a Mac user, you're going to look for a service called File Vault. So on Macs, it's called File Vault. It's also in Preferences Security. It's very easy. You flip a little switch that encrypts the hard drive of those devices. And what that does is if you do lose your laptop in an airport, and someone who's savvy enough to take out the hard drive can look at all the files on the hard drive. Because when you remove a hard drive from a laptop or a PC, it's basically like a USB stick. If that hard drive hasn't been protected, it can be plugged into any other computer, like a USB stick, and the files can be seen and viewed. So um, Ben, question for you, sort of explaining that BitLocker for PCs and FileVault for a Mac. It used to be that BitLocker didn't come with every offering of Microsoft, like it was a home version because there was some sort of hardware requirement. Is BitLocker now coming with all versions of Microsoft or do we have to tell our listeners to make sure they you know, do some hocus pocus to their machines or get a certain version?
2: I believe it is now on all versions. Um, Although I'm not on the Windows team, so it's possible I'm mistaken about that, but I'm pretty sure that it's on all versions now. But realistically, I strongly would encourage the audience for business use to have the pro version anyway right Um, but uh, if you do happen to have a home version i think it's on there now
1: okay so the tip is look for bitlocker on your pc if you don't see it on there that means that you either have an older not necessarily outdated but maybe an older version of windows and you might want to just you know get with your local it person and try to get that fixed and that's really important whether it's a device that you carry with you or you don't you know, I've had law firms that have been broken into into their actual offices and their entire PCs were stolen and they weren't encrypted. And then we get into these crazy breach notification laws that 47 states have and we don't want to get into all that now, but please do be safe and secure with your files. Listen, Ben, quick thing before we move on to our next segment, I've got to take a quick break to hear a message from a couple of our sponsors. We'll be right back. Are you a family law, immigration, or estate planning attorney looking to attract new leads and retain more clients? Join hundreds of other solos and small firms just like you who use Unbundled Attorney to receive premium, exclusive leads delivered directly into their inbox in real time. To learn more about how their lead generation services can grow your practice, subscribe to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast or visit unbundledattorney.com today. is an invaluable software solution for law firms of all sizes, handling all the demands of your growing practice from a single cloud-based platform. Clio enhances your firm with features such as matter and document management, time tracking, and even billing. Clio is an effortless tool that helps lawyers focus on what they do best: practice law. Learn more at clio.com. That's c l i o.com. Okay, welcome back. So before we took a break, we were chatting with Ben about Microsoft Office subscriptions and options there, as well as encouraging everyone to make sure you encrypt your hard drives on your desktops and your laptops and your PCs or Macs, whatever it is. So what I wanna do next is spend a couple minutes talking with Ben and picking his brain about uh, Microsoft Office 2016, which is the latest and newest version. And we're gonna sort of break down some of the best tips for Outlook Word, Excel, and maybe a little bit on PowerPoint, but I know Outlook and Word are, are mostly most usually most used. <laughs> I swear I have not had a drink yet. Our most used products. Ben, Office 2016 is the latest version. Is 2018 looking us down? Uh, looking us down in the eye?
2: Uh, hold on. I think I have something I'm supposed to read here. Uh, we have nothing to announce around that at this time.
1: Okay, great.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, fine. But it is important to know, especially for Office 365 subscribers, that, you know, the days of every three years you get a new big box down, you know, you go down to your computer store and buy a box of Microsoft Office. I mean, those days are kind of long behind us now. And we actually update, we ship new uh, features on all the apps in Office for every platform every month pretty much every month. So PC, Mac, iOS, yeah, exactly. So the Office 2016 that you got six months ago is not the same as the Office 2016 you have today if you're an Office 365 subscriber because you're getting not just security updates but you're getting new features. We ship new features constantly.
1: Right, and I love that. That's one of the reasons I encourage people to get the subscription is because you're constantly getting updates. They're automatic. Um, Sometimes you have to click to install them and sometimes it just says, hey, we added some new features and here they are. Mm -hmm. And it's not important just because they're adding new features. but those security updates are obviously incredibly important.
2: Very much so. So
1: uh, let's start by talking a little bit about Outlook. So I love Outlook. I live and die by Outlook. It is, for me, my number one information manager.
0: Me too. And
1: I think, you know, some... Tips and suggestions for people, things that they might not realize Outlook can do, maybe some email management tips would be great. Tell me a little bit about the difference maybe between Outlook for the Mac and Outlook for the PC. Like There are certain things I can't do on my Mac in Outlook, and that can be a little bit frustrating when you you do want to work in both, so um, let's just talk about some tips that are going to be the same whether you're on a PC or a Mac in Outlook
2: so our mac products are younger than our pc products and so you know uh, we get people all the time i I hear people say well why did you take this feature out of outlook for mac Uh, well probably we didn't take the feature out it probably never had that feature yet to begin with but it's hopefully coming Uh, in many cases our mac team is and you know the other thing to understand is that the products on mac and pc are developed by related teams of course um, but not always by the exact same developers and so uh So in many cases, the feature parity isn't quite there yet. So there are a lot of features that are in both, of course, and the Mac clients, just like everything else, are getting better every month. Uh, Mm -hmm. Probably one of my favorite features uh, that I use, because I get a ton of email, like most of us do, is ignore conversation.
1: Ooh, that's a good one. People love that one. Tell us about that Yeah,
2: I get included on a lot of um, lists. Uh, I get included on a lot of, you know... Luckily at Microsoft, we're pretty good about the reply all storms. Um, but every now and then you get you get pulled into some thread that you really don't care about. And so it's nice to be able to use Ignore Conversations on the ribbon. You'll see it under, it probably says Ignore, I believe on the, it does on the Windows ribbon, I think on the Mac it does as well. Uh, but you could also use, I believe it's Control Delete if you want to use it off the keyboard. And what that'll do is that will not only delete all of the messages you've received in that conversation so far, but it also will add that conversation to sort of a blacklist of sorts for the next 30 days so that any future emails you get in that conversation will just automatically get deleted so that you don't have to get your inbox cluttered up with you know people discussing something that you don't care about and that you can't seem to get off the list.
1: <laughs> right, so. so the example I always use for that is, I'm, I'm down here in Florida, and generally when there's a Florida-Florida state game or a rivalry of some sort in an office, somebody always starts an email about the Florida-Florida state game And I went to Stetson. We didn't have a football team. I don't care about the football teams. So I want to be able to just annihilate those messages because I know they are never going to become important messages about business or a client because the entire law firm is involved. So the ignore button allows me to flag that message to just go straight into my deleted. I always get an attorney that says to me, well, what if I delete or ignore something I didn't mean to? My answer to that is you were gonna ignore that email long before Microsoft gave you that button. So <laughs> might as well just take advantage of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's true. Um, you, you can actually unignore a conversation if you mm-hmm. want. You just have to go to your deleted items folder and, and find one of the messages from the conversation and then you can you can unignore it if you realize later that you needed to.
1: Right. Uh, like if somebody but, stops you in the hall and says, Hey, you didn't say anything about such and such in that message, and you go, what message? And then they say, well, it was in the FSU thread, and you go, oh, my God. Related to that is... Go ahead.
2: No, I was going to say, yeah, what I usually do is I usually put my hand on my chin and say, yes, I'm still thinking about that. (laughs) makes me seem wise.
1: So wise. Mm. Um, Tell us a little bit about sort of the cousin to that feature, which is the cleanup.
2: Oh, sure. So um, we obviously see a lot of... People who have, whose inboxes or, or subfolders have gotten completely out of control, I won't uh, brag too much about how few emails are on my inbox at the moment, but um, I've seen, you know, when I was working as an independent consultant, I often got called in to help people with Outlook, and, you know, I've seen attorneys with oh, more sure. than 60,000 emails in their inbox. I was just going to
1: say 60,000 is a good number.
2: Yeah, I've seen I've seen that uh, a couple of times, and you know at some point it becomes so unwieldy that it's it's a burden uh, to where you know things are scrolling off. You know, it's the old out of sight, out of mind. You know, if something is, uh, you know, it's like Google. If you if you used to do a search on Google or Bing, very few people go past the first or second page of mm-hmm. results. It's kind of the same thing with emails. If if you don't see that email in the first or second screen of emails, you're probably not going to scroll three hundred emails down the list to find it unless you're specifically searching, like very specifically searching. So having that that inbox be a little bit uh, less cluttered is is very helpful. And what the cleanup feature does is it'll go through all the messages in the folder, including subfolders if you tell it to do that. And it'll look for messages that are... um, cumulative basically so you know how we when you reply to a message you often quote the message before that uh, which may be quoting the reply before that which is quoting the reply before that well you may have all four of those messages in your inbox but you really only need the most recent one because all the previous ones are quoted already so cleanup will go through and it will send all of those other messages all those extraneous messages to a folder of your choosing now i choose deleted (laughs) but you know, I've, I've seen paranoid users who are, who are like, well, yeah. I better not do that. And so you can set up an archive or a cleanup or a, you know, you can set up some subfolder that's going to be just a holding pen for all those messages that got cleaned up just in case uh, <laughs> and tell it to do a cleanup of your inbox and it'll move all those extraneous messages to whatever folder you designated. Uh, and then your inbox will be uh, substantially thinner, probably.
1: A little weight loss for the old inbox. Big time. I like to tell people when we talk about this feature that it removes duplicates, but they have to be exact duplicates. So if in the exchange, like you and I are going back and forth, and in one of the replies, I attach a document, send it to you, then you reply... It's not going to remove slash clean up the message that has the attachment on it because it's not a true duplicate text-wise. So it's got some intelligence built behind it. I don't want people to freak out when they use it. It really does just remove, delete the ones that if you were sitting there and going back and saying, well, I've got that one up above, I've got that one up above, it's included in the message up above, you would delete it.
2: Right. And the, uh, you can also tell it to not move, uh, like if you have flagged a message for follow-up or if you've uh, categorized the message, you can tell Conversation Cleanup to not move any messages that you've done that with.
1: Great. That's a great tip. Tell us a little bit, another one that um, I know people love hearing about and not many people know about is date calculations and calendar.
2: Oh, yeah, date calculations. So natural language dates are a really important uh, a really handy feature to be able to use. A lot of people, you know, f- get frustrated because they need to uh, either it's for a task or they're flagging something for follow-up or maybe it's an appointment on the calendar, uh, and they want to say, well, you know, I want to do this, you know, next Thursday, but I don't know what next Thursday is. So then they have to, you know, pull up the calendar or look at the screen, the date navigator, to figure out that next Thursday is the 18th. Okay, great. Well, you actually don't have to because you can use natural language dates in Outlook, and that includes just typing next Thursday or next THU, for example. And Outlook will automatically calculate and put the correct date in for you. Uh, You can also tell it to do relative dates. So, for example, frequently when I set up a task, um, I may say I want to do this task in two weeks, So, but I don't necessarily know what two weeks from today is off the top of my head. Right. So what I can do is in the date field, I just put 2W, and it'll actually automatically calculate what two weeks from now is. Um, That'll also work for days or
1: and that works. So let's say I get a notice and I've got to do something 30 days from May 15th. If we go to May 15th and open up an appointment, and the date in the start field is May 15th, and you put in 2W, so you just overwrite where it might say 5/18/2017. You sort of highlight it and overwrite it with 2W. Hit yeah, or tab 30D or enter in this case. Mm-hmm. Okay, or 30D. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Either way. (laughs) I'm glad you're listening. Or 30D, or I usually just put 30 day, like whatever, like you said, natural language works, Mm -hmm. and it counts calendar days. It includes the weekends, and it It doesn't know holidays and court dates or anything like that, but it sort of does it, I like to tell people it does it the old-fashioned way. So if you had a desktop calendar, you'd put your, your big old finger on the 15th, and you'd start counting one, and you'd jump to the 16th, and that's how Outlook does it. So do not call me and Ben telling us that Outlook calculated a date wrong and you missed a deadline because Outlook is not going to calculate wrong. You are going to put it in wrong.
2: <laughs> the, the other thing I love about it is that, and this is really handy when you're early in the month, is when you're putting a date in for that month. So for example, I have an appointment. Somebody asked me the day about a meeting on the 24th of this month. Mm-hmm. Well, all I have to do, I don't have to type in May 24, 2017 because it's already May all I have to do is put in 24 and Outlook will assume I mean this month. Um, and so if I just put in 24, then boom, May 24th. Now, of course, as we get later and later in the month, that doesn't work quite as well. Right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, early in the month, you can just put in the day. You don't need the year or the month and it'll just put it in for this month. That's pretty handy.
1: And then how do I go backwards? So let's say I have a statute of limitations that's going to run out on August 15th. And I want to calculate 45 days before August 15th to tickle something on my calendar? How do I tell it to do that?
2: Actually, that's a really good question. Um, I'm not sure. Oh,
1: I know. I can answer it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for throwing me one, Ben. Now I can look like the smart one. So you're going to go to the 24th of August and make sure it says, you know, 824 slash 2017 in there. And again, you overwrite it and you simply type in 45 days before and hit tab or enter and it'll count backwards. A lot of people try the minus sign, minus 45. Don't do that. It goes to the year 1945. But the best thing to do is open up a calendar appointment in Outlook and just try these things, you know, test it. You can also, of course, Google it to get all the, um, the exact terms and different tips and tricks for calculating dates. Well, we've, yes, Ben, I feel you have something to say.
2: <laughs> yeah, I just tested it, and I hope this is in our shipping product and I'm not giving away any secrets. But it turns mm-hmm. out that in the due date field, you can actually type 30 days before 12, 7, 17, and it'll calculate it.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually
2: type that out 30 days before whatever date. Oh,
1: so you don't always have to go to the date. You can just type yeah. out the date. Oh
2: Yeah, nice. I didn't good. know that worked either until I just now tried it.
1: See, that's how some of us figure these things out ourselves. We just go in there and try it. So definitely try it. It's very handy. And of course, honestly, for me, the fastest way for me to calculate a date these days is to ask Siri on my iPhone. (laughs) She always knows. Or Cortana, you can talk to Cortana too. Oh, let's take a quick break and hear a couple more messages from two more sponsors. And then we'll come back and talk a little bit about Word and see if we can cram some Excel and PowerPoint in there. We'll be right back. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at one 800 answer One or visit them at AnswerOne.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Imagine how much faster you could work if you spent less time proofreading. Almost every lawyer wastes hours each week proofreading rather than producing legal work. With Perfect It's American legal style, you spend less time proofreading and have more time to focus on substantive matters. It's easy to use and there's no training required. Try Perfect It for free from IntelligentEditing.com and start saving time on proofreading today. Okay, when we left you, Ben and I were just throwing around a couple of Outlook tips, and now let's talk for a few minutes about some good Microsoft Word tips. Ben, I wanted to ask you, I've noticed something really cool with Word where it's not just correcting my grammar anymore as far as literal incorrect grammar usage. It's also making suggestions on making my writing better. Yep. And I'm sure other people have noticed that feature. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
2: Sure. So that's uh, something new we're doing. It's called Intelligent Services, and that can be enabled or disabled depending if you decide you don't like it uh, in options in Office. And what it does is it sort of takes the grammar checker to a new level, where it's going to suggest it's go- it's going to let you know if you're if Word thinks you're being uh, you know using too much passive voice or if you should be more concise, uh, things like that. Um, It lets you uh, also use the editor function, which, uh, you know, some of us are used to, you know, you type a word in Word and you right-click it and you can choose, you know, synonyms or translate. But now Word actually gives you a much deeper uh, level of information about that word in many cases, including context. And that's really helpful, especially if you have a word, like one that people get wrong a lot or effect or effect. With an A Mm -hmm. or an E. And so if you type one of those in uh, and right click on it, you can, it'll give you a little bit of a, you know, here's when you would use this one versus the other one. Maybe you meant the other one. And so you can use some of those features to improve your writing, we hope. Now, the other thing that, you know, I get a lot of questions about with this is um, that it's either doing too much and it's annoying people or it's not doing enough. You know, they wish it would do more. And so I wanted to to point out that uh, if you go into File, Options, Proofing, File Options Proofing, you can configure all of the auto-correcting grammar options. You can turn things on or off. Uh, you can tell it, don't correct me on this, or please, you know, uh, you know, do show me frequently confused words. Don't show me frequently confused words, things like that. So uh, File Options Proofing is a place that you should probably go to play with those settings uh, if you want to tweak them a little bit to make them better for you specifically.
1: And in there, one of the other tips that I always give is under File Options proofing you'll notice that by default word does not spell check things in all caps right so you want to uncheck the box that says do not spell check all caps so if, you know for those of you who have called the help desk saying my spell check is broken it didn't find the four e's in agreement i mean. It Yeah, instead of the three, it's because that's checked, and in legal, we do use a lot of caps, so you wanna go and remove that. So really, a good tip for you, whether it's just in Word or Outlook or any program that you're using, is spend a few minutes under file options, looking at all of the different options that you have, turning features on and off, and enhancing your use with these tools. Because a lot of people say to me all the time, I hate when word does that. And I think, wow, you are in an abusive relationship because that program is owning you. (laughs) And if you just spend a few minutes going into those tools options, you can turn a lot of that off. Ben, tell everybody, if you would please, a little bit about one of my live and die for features, which I still can't believe I have to teach people about because it's been around so long, and that is the totally awesome and amazing clipboard and how to activate it.
2: Oh yeah, sure. So a lot of people, of course, are used to Control C, Control V, or Control X, Control V for cut and paste, uh, which lets you copy and paste text from place to place within a document or from another program to a document or vice versa. It's actually one of the most used functions in Word is pasting text. That's why if you look at the ribbon in Word, the very first command on the very first tab is paste.
1: It's got Uh, pull position and it's big.
2: Yes, and that's because it is the most used button. But what a lot of people don't realize is that that clipboard is a lot deeper uh, than they might expect. We've seen users all the time who get frustrated, especially if you've got a, if you're doing a lot of copying and pasting. Um, I've seen users who they copy, they paste, they copy, they paste. Okay, well that's you know they wish they could do this a little bit more efficiently. So you may notice uh, on the clipboard group, which is what we call those sort of groups on the ribbon, the clipboard group to the right. There's a little tiny icon. It's a little hard to see. We call those just so you um, know,
1: Ben. I call those, when I'm doing training, I want to know what you officially call those because (laughs) I refer to them as the insultingly small button in the bottom right-hand corner of a group.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) Yes, we call them the eye test. No, I'm just kidding. Um, they, They are officially called dialogue launchers. And so, if you uh, if you click on that insultingly small iTest button in the bottom right corner, I'm
1: going to start calling it that. You
2: you will get the it's the dialog launcher. You click on that, and it opens a um, dialog box with a little or a, or a task pane with a little bit more functionality. And the one that's on the clipboard group will open the clipboard pane on the left hand side, and that clipboard can hold up to I believe it's thirty items. And it I think it's twenty four. Is it twenty-four? Okay, could be. But tell um, them to raise it
1: to thirty, please. 30. I, I will.
2: I will see what I can do with that. Um... By the way, suggestions like that can be given to us at User Voice, where we accept those. It's our suggestion box. So with the clipboard, every time you copy, so you, you select something and copy it, it gets put on that clipboard, and you'll see it on that list. But yes. well, what's cool about that is then when you want to paste that into a document, you can select from the list, and so you don't have to necessarily paste the last thing you copied. You could paste something you copied five things ago, all I've five of go. those things that. are going to be on your, all eight of those things are going to be on your, how many there were, are going to be right there on that list. And you can paste them in repeatedly, so you could paste the same thing over and over, or you could paste things out of order. The first thing could get pasted third and so forth and so on. So um, the clipboard just gives you a, a much deeper well of things that you can copy from and paste from.
1: I love that. And the clipboard is shared across all your Microsoft products. So if you open up an email in Outlook that you are composing and then expose the clipboard, you will see all your clippings there.
2: Yep, and Excel and PowerPoint too. Yep.
1: Hey, when's the Mac going to get that? That would be great.
2: Uh, we have nothing to announce around that at this time.
1: Mm. So for you Mac users, I'm sorry the clipboard doesn't live, but I do have an add-on for my Mac that I use called, I was going to tell you, it's called Copy Clip. So for the Mac, you can get a third-party tool. There's many of them. I just happen to use one called Copy Clip, and it's system-wide on the Mac. And then um, for Windows, the clipboard is also system-wide. But it really is amazing because you can share it across all your different applications. Ben, I know that a lot of awesome development had gone into Excel and PowerPoint over the last couple of versions of Office. I know. I feel like those got you know the most love over the past two. Upgrades. Are there any really cool specific tools that you know are helpful for attorneys to know about when it comes to Excel?
2: So uh, with Excel, there's there's a lot of stuff in there. We did a lot of work around pivot tables, um, mm-hmm. which can be a really handy way to to analyze data. Um, there's a lot of interesting data connection uh, stuff, so you can connect to your billing system or you can pull in data from CSV files. I mean, you, you've always been able to do that, but now I think it's a little easier to do, and you can also um, do a lot more of interesting analysis on the data without having to be a data scientist yourself. Uh, and so you can see trends and you can see um, things are moving in the numbers. And so I, I really encourage people to, especially if you have a practice where you work with numbers a lot, and believe it or not, most of you do, to get comfortable with Excel. And and one of the things I wanted to point out is, and it's not just for Excel, but on our site at support.office.com, we have a tremendous amount of free video yes. training, uh, and text awesome. and video training. Where you can go to learn about things like that. So if you want to know about pivot tables, for example, I know that Chris Smith, who sits right next door to me, in fact, um, has some terrific content on support.office.com about pivot tables to make it easy for people to use it. So with Excel, a lot of the new content or a lot of new features are around data analysis, of course.
1: And uh, visualizing data. data, Right. Visualizing
2: data. Yeah. We've got some new chart types. Um, Yep things like that. Yeah. It's really it's really come a long way and it's, it's gotten so much easier for average people. A lot of people fire up Excel when they see that big empty grid of cells and they get a little intimidated, but don't be. <laughs> it's gotten a lot easier to work with.
1: And you know what a, a I think a good tip is, and I'll sort of tell people what I tell people and then you can expound on it a little bit, is when somebody comes to me and they say, hey, um, I need to learn formulas because I've got to do a budget or a a GL, or I really want to figure out how to, you know, do a loan calculation. I say, I look at them in the eye and I go, do you think you are the first person that has to figure out the formulas for an amortization table? I go, you are crazy. If you're just doing some very typical business functions, you can go search in the Microsoft gallery of templates for a lot of spreadsheets that are incredibly sophisticated and already have all the formulas built into them. So, like when somebody says, you know, it's an office manager, she calls and says, you know, I wonder if there's an easy way for me to do a construction budget for our build out. I say, holy moly, go search, and there'll be thousands of templates in there. You could even take a wedding budget. So a lot of them are, you know, they'll be like a wedding budget, a personal vacation budget. You can go in there and pull a wedding budget if you like the way it looks, and just change the categories from, you know, food to construction, from trinkets and flowers to desks and chairs. So tell us a little bit about where those templates in the gallery come from or the template gallery come from and and just talk a little bit about that because I think that's an area that most people don't even think to go to.
2: It's true. So there are a ton of templates built in. Some of them come with the product, so you've already got them when you when you install, but there's a lot more that are actually available online through our website and actually you can go to templates.office.com where you can find templates for Word, Excel, PowerPoint, all of them. Most of them are free, um, certainly all the ones we've developed are free. Um, You'll also find some third-party templates there, things that have been created by other people. Some of those are free and some of them aren't, but it tells you before you you try to download it or access it it should tell you if it's free or not Uh, i believe they're mostly free Uh,
1: yeah i don't think i've ever seen one to pay for so mostly free and are those somehow vetted through some sort of microsoft spamware malicious you know because people are gonna say they are yeah you guys always tell me not to download from the internet and here you are telling me to download templates but they're coming directly through a microsoft filter of some sort
2: yeah, everything you're going to find at templates.office.com has been Great. vetted and, and carefully looked at. Yeah, So that, that should be fine. Stuff you download off the general web, obviously, is, a, is right. anybody's guess. But um, the things you get from templates.office.com or through, you know, in, in Excel or Word or PowerPoint, when you click File, New, there's a search box right at the top where you can search for things and including templates. And so all of those templates come through our template service as well. And yeah so they're they're all pretty pretty stable that way
1: and i think that's a great place you know just to talk for a minute about powerpoint to go and look for new design templates for powerpoint we've been many of us looking at those same templates with you know the scales of justice the waves in the background for many years and there are thousands of beautifully designed powerpoint templates out there that are professionally designed, including the fonts that get used and the colors that get mixed into the templates. So you don't have to spend a lot of time working on design and colors because it's been done for you.
2: Right. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention about that in PowerPoint especially is our new designer feature, um, which is part of those intelligent services that, for example, when you insert a picture onto one of your slides, assuming you have the intelligent services enabled, which you probably do.
1: And um, Office 2016 for that?
2: And Office 2016, yes, okay. uh, it's part of a – you have to be an Office 365 subscriber because it's one of those features that's shipped since mm-hmm. the last time we put Office in a box. And so with the designer feature, it will uh, open up a pane on the right-hand side that shows you a bunch of suggested layouts for how you might want to you know, put that picture on the – and integrate it with the rest of your text – Uh, And basically lay out your slide to make it look more professional and you can just pick one of those layouts You don't have to of course you can ignore those suggestions and just use your own thing But if you like any of the suggested layouts that it offers you there You just pick it and it automatically lays it out that way for you Which is a really nice way to make your deck look uh, very professional But also to make it look a little bit more distinctive so that you're not necessarily trapped just in the in the template that you're using So you've got Mm -hmm. you know, whatever design template you've chosen and then you insert a picture You can make that particular slide stand out a little more, which is nice
1: that's great. So the last thing I'll ask you, Ben, is, is something that I get asked all the time when people say, where can I learn more about these products? Where can I get Microsoft training? Aside from calling me you know, to get some training, where do you suggest people go to watch those videos. I think you mentioned it earlier, but let's close up with yeah. reminding people of some good resources for learning more about Microsoft products.
2: So, yeah, we have a lot of content available at support.office.com, both video content and articles, uh, other things like that. Even within the products, um, I would encourage you, there's a new thing at the top that says, tell me what you want to do. That's our tell me box. Um, Is that the old clippy? It's not. Uh, it's, it's, Come it's, on. Uh, it's,
1: it's like clippy, reborn again, born again, born again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not exactly. Clippy was a little more proactive. This is this is sort of the evolution of the old help uh, pane, which oh, okay. um, wasn't super helpful always. But we've really spent a lot of time and effort getting this tool a little bit better. Because what it'll do is, a lot of people think when they type that in, all oh, they're going to do is, is get a link to an article. But they won't always. So for example, if you say, you know, in, if you go into Word and say, you know, if you type like, insert a watermark, for example. Um, I'm
1: going to do compare documents and see what it tells me. Compare yeah. documents, compare two versions. Oh, look at that.
2: Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it's very good. Legal
1: black line. Ooh.
2: Yeah. So instead of just um, giving you a help article on how to do it, it'll actually show you in the product how to do it. In some cases, depends on what you ask it, of course. And so that's another really good way to get help and to learn about how to do things in the product. And sometimes, you know, it can be handy, even if it's something that you kind of know how to do, but maybe the way you do it doesn't feel very efficient to you. Typing that into tell me what you want to do may show you a different, better way to do what you've been doing that can save you some time and, and, and make it work a little better. So, those are my two main suggestions. Of course, at support.office.com, you're also now going to find a lot of links to LinkedIn Learning, which used to be called lynda.com, mm-hmm. um, as many of your listeners will know. Um, sure. We bought LinkedIn, uh, and so we also gained lynda.com, which is now again LinkedIn Learning. And so they have a lot of great video training content available there. And some of it we make available through our support site for free. There are a few resources there that are available free as well. So,
1: Well, that's awesome. Ben, thank you so much for your time today. Before I let you go, do you want to tell everyone where they can find, friend, or follow you on the internet? I know you have so much knowledge and information to share. People might want to keep an eye on maybe your tweets or um, anywhere else you might publish information. Sure.
2: Um, on the interwebs, uh, on the tweeters, I'm uh, at Shore, B-S-C-H-O-R-R. Uh, that's probably the best way to to keep up with what's going on. And I also have, if you're a Facebook user, I maintain a Office for Lawyers Facebook group where I post usually once a day uh, a link to a nice uh, office tip, some of which come from our very own Adriana Linares, of course. So, uh, yeah, if you're a Facebook user, you might check out that uh, Facebook group, which is open to all.
1: All right. Well, Ben, thank you so much again for taking time out of your busy, busy work schedule over there at Microsoft for talking with us and helping us. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. And for all you listeners who want to learn more, make sure you visit LegalTalkNetwork.com and don't forget to follow us or subscribe on your favorite services. That brings us to the end of our show. I'm Adriana Linares. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you join us next time for another great episode. And remember, you're not alone, You're new solo.
3: I bet you didn't think about running a business when you were in law school, but now that you have your own practice, you're constantly looking for tips on marketing, accounting, practice management, and so much more. I'm Christopher Anderson, and you can get expert business advice on my podcast, The Unbillable Hour, found on LegalTalkNetwork.com, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts.